What really goes on in financial advisor firms? You may know what it's like to be on that side of the table from a financial advisor. Maybe you actively have one now, you've had one in the past, but do you know what goes on behind the scenes? That's what we want to talk about today because frankly, there's a lot of unethical behavior that goes on behind the scenes and there's a lot of people being sold a lot of garbage financial products that they don't need. And I think if you're able to look behind the curtain to illuminate some of these things that go on behind the scenes, that'll help all of us make better decisions. One of our passions in this show is to help you be successful with your money and part of it is doing good strategies, right? We spend a lot of time talking about these are the things that you should do to make yourself better, to to be a better investor, to be better at financial planning, all those things. But part of it is how do we avoid the bad things, right? How do we pursue the good and avoid the bad? And today we want to illuminate a little bit of some of the bad things that can go on in some firms, not all, and we'll be sure to differentiate between the types of firms that we're talking about. But in this episode, I want to talk a little bit just about my journey through a few different firms. Talk about you know how I started in a Fortune 100 insurance-based firm, uh, just the different compensation and incentives that they had there, you know the different sales quotas they had, and the sales culture, and the Kool-Aid everyone was drinking there, and even some blatantly unethical behavior that I personally witnessed and that I've heard other stories about uh, from other people and, and and just practices that are really going on out there in some of these firms. And then just a little bit about my transition away from that into independence and going full fiduciary and and what why it matters for all of us and what we can do about it. And so if this is something that, you know, if you have an advisor, you know, people who are working with people, especially people in insurance based firms, uh, this would be a good one to listen to. It's important to know, right, what goes on behind the scenes of, of the bad firms and of the good firms as well, so that you can get a better feel for that. So I think I'll just start kind of with my story and just kind of illuminate some things as we go along. So I started, I was in retail before in management, didn't want to do that. I'd always had a passion for helping people with money and and, and for, you know, good uh, financial principles and, and disciplines that you can do to, to become better with money. And so I decided, oh, great, I'll be a financial advisor. And so interviewed a few different firms, uh, interviewed this local firm that seemed like they were doing planning and doing it the right way, uh, got in with them, didn't really know what I didn't know yet. And just a couple of weeks after I joined that firm, it was bought out by a Fortune 100 insurance company, right? So we still had our local firm that had with some little bit of autonomy uh, locally. And then we were part of this bigger, you know, bigger district. And then obviously a big Fortune 100 insurance-based company. You would know the name. I'm not going to say it. I don't, you know, don't know if I can get in trouble by saying it or not. Uh, technically, this is public information. So you could go look it up if you know where to go to find out what company that was that I worked for. Um, but it was a big, you know, mutual insurance company that offered, you know, first and foremost, insurance products, life insurance, disability, long-term care, those types of things, but then also investments and, you know, financial planning and some of these other things as well. And so we've talked about in the show before that there's lots of different types of companies. And one of the main ones out there are these insurance-based companies. You think of like Northwestern Mutual, Thrivent, uh, Mass Mutual, um, you know, a lot, anytime there's the word mutual in, it's going to be an insurance-based company. And, and a lot of times they will hold themselves out as investment first or financial planning first. But at the end of the day, they really are an insurance based company. So we were bought out by this company. I didn't really know what that meant at first, but then it became pretty evident throughout. And, and the way that it starts when you're new into the industry is that you basically need to sell, you know, it's, it's eat what you kill and, and go out and sell, 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 otherwise you're not going to survive. And so they would 
you know, incentivize you to say, hey, you, you know, should sell our financial products. And one of the ways that they would do that is, you know, you can kind of get paid in a few different ways. You can get paid in, in uh, you know, by commission from the sale of life insurance products, disability and those types of things. And you can get paid on investments and you can get paid on kind of annuity, uh, annuities, which are like a life insurance investment together, right? And those would be, you know, giant commissions. Um, and then you would get paid on, you could maybe do some planning if you wanted to, but the real money was in all the commissioned uh, products that you could sell. And so you could, you know, you could manage people's money and charge a fee on it and, you know, charge 1% and then they would pay you out, you know, 40% of that or 50% of, of the 1% you were charging a client. Um, and so, you know, you start doing the math on that. And if you get someone to start, you know, maxing out a Roth IRA or rolling over a hundred thousand dollars in an IRA, and you start doing the math on, on what you actually get paid when you're a hundred percent commission, a hundred percent on what you make, you just don't get paid very much on that. And on the other hand, over here, you can, you know, sell some, some insurance products and you get paid 50 to hundred percent of, of what they, that first year's premium that a client's going to pay. And so you can, you know, right, do a Roth IRA, uh, an IRA over here for, you know, and make uh, you know, 300 bucks a year off of it. Or you can sell this big insurance product over here and, and make $6,000 uh, right now off of it. And so the, there's big incentives too, and they would pay you out higher, especially when you're new in the industry, they pay a larger percentage on insurance business than they do on your investment business. And so what are you incentivized right away to do? Well, to, to find excuses and find reasons to sell their uh, insurance products. And plus then they would have, you know, all these trips and stuff. And so you could, you know, you could win recognition and get trips and all these things. And it was all based on your insurance sales, not on your investments, not on your financial planning, not on how much you help people with all the other aspects of their, of their financial world, just how much you sold in insurance. That's what everything was based on your, your insurance numbers, your insurance commissions. And, you know, and part of that was, you know, in, in our firm, like the, the, the lead person of our little local firm, his official title was sales manager. And, and almost all, as far as I know, all insurance-based companies have these, ins- you know, sales managers. That's the actual official title of these people in, in, in the companies and their job, right. Is to increase sales like, like at an auto dealership. Or, you know, something like, and, and I think, again, I've said this before, but I think there's a big difference. I don't, you know, I have nothing against sales. I have nothing against commissions. I have nothing against uh, sales managers and, and sales reps and all, like nothing is done until a sale is made. And I, and I get all that. Um, but I think there's a big difference, right, between selling a commodity and holding yourself out as someone who's giving advice and, and trying to do it to the best interest of the client. And then behind the scenes, actually still just being a salesperson. Right, like, like if if you go into a if you went into a, a a Toyota dealership, right? No one expects them to recommend a Honda to you, you know, uh, to, to walk across the street to the Honda dealership and, and go there. You know, say, hey, you know, you're you're giving them all the, you know, they ask you a bunch of questions, trying to diagnose exactly what you need. You give them all these things, and you're like, you know what? As much as we'd love to sell you a Toyota, really a Honda is going to be a better fit for you. You should go across the street and give them your business instead. Like no one expects that to happen, right? Like you go into a Toyota dealership, they're going to sell you a Toyota. That's, that's what they're there for. And they're going to make a commission off of it or whatever else. And, and there's no problem with that. Right. But, but if you went into a, 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 say there was a dealership that held itself out as, Hey, we sell all cars. We're going to figure out what you need and, and get you the best car. It doesn't matter the make or, or, or brand or any of those types of things, the maker model, we're going to get you the best car just for what you need to help you achieve your goals. Right, that that would be different. So you would expect them to treat you differently than a Toyota dealership that only sells Toyotas, right? 
But if that company that was holding itself out as, hey, we're going to recommend the best thing for you no matter what it is, secretly had a relationship with Toyota where they got paid extra and made extra incentives to only sell you Toyotas. And no matter where what your goals were, who you were, at the end of the day, the, the right answer was always a Toyota. That's totally different, right? That, that, that's, where it's, that, that's where it becomes sketchy or unethical, in my opinion, is to hold yourself out as giving advice and, and unbiased you know, fiduciary advice. And then to be secretly, though, pushing certain companies' products or, or certain types of products or certain things to get paid on. And so everything about this company, and as far as I know, all the other companies worked the same way, uh, was about selling insurance and, and how do you make sure that you make as much money as you can on insurance. And so they had they had quotas. The quotas were pretty small in, in our company uh, for the first three years, and then they would jump up significantly after that. Um, and so, right. For as long as you work there, no matter how much you were trying to focus on the financial planning or the investments or helping people achieve their goals, at the end of the day, every year, you had to sell X amount of insurance commissions in order to keep your job. You had to. Doesn't matter. And, and a certain amount just to keep your, your your job, just minimum. And then an extra amount if you wanted to keep like benefits and some of these other things, a much higher amount for all that. And so, you know, again, it doesn't, you know, if you have to sell a certain amount of, of your company's products, then how can you remain unbiased, right? How can you really recommend what's in the best interest of you, the client, if I must sell a certain amount of this product in order to keep my job, right? So it's a total conflict of interest between what we were saying or what the company would say that, hey, we're trying to act in the best interest of the client and what we actually needed to do before. And beyond just like the quotas that we had, that you know, requirements in terms of how much commission. And again, that's, that's the thing, right? Is none of this was based on like how much, life insurance coverage you were putting. Hey, you know, we, we protected this much in people's of this much of people's incomes. We protected this much in, in people for life insurance to make sure that their families are taken care of, right? No, that was not how they measured it. They only measured it by commission. That's how everything was measured, right? And so that doesn't help you. It only helps the the sales reps and the, and the company and all of that. And, and so they had quotas for that. They had, you know, all the support and training was all on how to sell more insurance. We had mandatory trainings. We'd had to go to tons of extra, you know, a whole university of classes and stuff that you could take and online on demand things and all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it was always focused on how life insurance or, or these other types of things really fit in every single circumstances and how you could sell more of it and increase your case size and, and all of these things. So all the quotas, the, the training, the support, everything was designed at selling more insurance from the sales manager all the way down to the sales staff. Everything was about sales, 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 commission, 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 insurance, insurance, insurance. Even though, again, they were holding themselves out as this, hey, we do everything, we're financial planning, all of that. And that, that's just where I started seeing this, like, this doesn't feel right. But this doesn't feel right to me that we're holding ourselves out as one thing, but then behind the scenes, our parent company is kind of forcing all these things down on us, right? And beyond just like the, the actual, you know, the, the, the way that uh, the compensation was structured and all that thing, they had a culture that was all about sales, right? And, and, and people that were just drinking the Kool-Aid as far as what their focus was on, right? And so every month, right, they would send out a, a, a monthly newsletter and it would feature right at the beginning who had the most sales, right? Who is the number one producer? And they call them producers, right? Not, 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 uh, advisor, like internally, they don't call them advisors. They don't call them, you know, planners. They call them producers, like who produced the most commissions, right? So, so who sold the most insurance total, then it would break down by category, life insurance, disability, long-term care, et cetera. Who sold the most annuities and got the most annuity commission again, always on the commissions, never on the amounts. Um, and so, you know, it'd be, I think it was three, three columns, and like five rows, like 15 different people would be featured. And one column, like way down to the right, 
was the amount of like who was getting paid the most on investments, right? Not, not how much investments they were managing or how great of a job they were doing for clients, but just who earned the most off their investments and then who, um, and then who did the most amount of money in financial plans. Like they had two boxes out of 15 devoted to investments and financial planning and all the rest of them were on how much commissions people were selling in different categories, right? So that was front and center right away in the, in the newsletter. So you always know like who you were supposed to, to reach and, and, and creating competition amongst people to see who could sell the most. And, and you, if you sold enough, you could win trips to, to Disneyland or to the Ritz Carlton or to uh, the Bahamas or all these different things, right? And so, and again, all of it based on your insurance sales. And so this like this just began to grate on me as I was part of this company for a while. Like, hey, this can't be, you know, and the more I learned, I had to go outside of the company to try to learn more about investments and financial planning and how to be a fiduciary, you know, or act in the best interest of your client. And, and the more I learned outside of the company, the more all of these things made me more and more uncomfortable to be a part of of this type of company. And uh at one point the, the tipping point for me was really just some of the the really just truly unethical behavior that I was seeing in this company. And from the point of, you know, uh, people selling, you know, income annuities to people who were in their late seventies. And, and like what an income annuity is supposed to do is it's supposed to guarantee your income. Like you put a bunch of money in there, you know, put $300,000 in there and it'll guarantee a monthly income for the rest of your life. Um, and you know, if you're 60 and you're retiring and you got 25, 30, 35 years left, you don't know exactly how long, you know, that can appeal to some people like, Oh, Great. Doesn't matter how long I live. Like I'll guarantee to always have this monthly income for the rest of my life. Um, still a bad deal. Don't ever recommend it. Uh, especially if you want to start doing math on it. It's a horrible deal, but like, at least that sort of makes sense when you've got 20, 25, 30, 30 plus years to live. Um, but, but these people are selling them to people in their late seventies where again, you, you take this chunk of money, you throw it into an annuity and like the money's gone then. It's a you know a single premium immediate annuity. The money is gone. You can never get it back after you make this decision. You sign on the dotted line. The money goes in there. You can never get it back. Um, and then it would pay out this monthly income for the rest of their life. But they're only going to live like ten more years. And so they would actually get out less money paid out uh, based on their life expectancy than they would if they just kept the money or put it in a bank account and all these things. So it was this kind of this fake security. And they would they would you know make people worried about the market and like the, just the sales tactics that were taught in this company about how to sell more annuities, how to sell more insurance, how to make people afraid of the market, make people afraid of financial planning, make people afraid of all these different things. And the security, right? The answer, the safety blanket was always insurance, always annuities. And so all this training on, on how to do these things and position these products and, and make people afraid. Um, and, and, you, and you see these people like, you know, selling this stuff and making these huge commissions, right? They make thousands of dollars in commissions. And then the, the client would end up losing thousands of dollars over their lifetime uh, with these junky products, right? And they're bad for even the best case scenario. In my opinion, now, the more I've learned about it, like now I would never recommend it to anyone. But even then I could tell like, this is really bad for these people. And it just seems like the only reason that they're recommending this is so they can get this big commission and, and meet their quotas and or try to win that trip. Right, that that just can't be right. And then I would see things like, you know, uh, you know, there's a financial planning software where you can model different things, and people would put in, you know, whole life insurance, and they would model the cash value growth just with ridiculous return. Like, hey, you know, everything you put in there is going to go straight into cash value, and it's going to grow at six percent for the rest of your life, which is just preposterous. It does not work that way. You lose money. You know, it takes. 15 to 20 years on a whole life policy for you to break even on a really good one for you to break even between what you put in there and the cash value that's available to you. But they were showing from day one, you're making money. It's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars more than it actually would be in real life. And they were just, they would just illustrate these things to make these products look better in the software 
than they would in actually work in real life so that they could sell it and make their big commission, make their quotas, earn the trip. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like th- this is this is unethical at best and potentially even illegal. And I'm like, I just can't be a part of this. And so, you know, learning more and more, listening to more podcasts, reading more books from outside of my company uh, and industry, like realize like, hey, we need to go independent. And so talked about it in our in our little local firm. We finally decided like, hey, you know, we're, we're coming up on that mark where our, our quotas are going way up. We got to get out of here. And so we moved as a local firm. We all moved to an independent broker dealer. And so that got rid of the quotas that got rid of, you know, a lot of that, that bigger structure of, of kind of sales culture and some of those kind of things. Um, and it just, that helped a lot just to not have those things and to be able to be independent and be able to recommend whatever we wanted without having to sell a certain amount of X company's product or, um, you know, we, so we had, we had no quotas at all and we could do any company that we wanted to. And so that was a big, that was a big thing that happened. You know, we kind of planned it out. Um, we planned to go in, uh, I think March or April of uh, 2020. And so we planned this from back in like January, right? And so it was already in motion. We couldn't stop it. And then obviously COVID hit right when that was happening. So not the greatest time to be moving people's money from one broker dealer to the next and all these other things. But, um, you know, got through that and th- that helped a lot to, to go there. But even then, um, you know, there still was the, the broker dealer component of it, still was the commission portion of it, still was, you know, some of the people in our firm, we kind of, you know, you know, our firm, the whole thing went away into independence, right? Which was good. Um, but we still had some, some differences in terms of, you know, when we thought commission products were appropriate or not. Um, and, and, uh, so we ended up splitting, they, some of the guys went in a different direction and we decided to go full fiduciary, right? Full boil and, 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 uh, start our own, you know, independent, fully independent registered advisor firm. So we don't have any, any broker dealer. We cut out the middlemen, cut out a layer of fees that our clients were paying to them for no value to back to them and got rid of our insurance licenses. And so now, right, we're a fee only fiduciary financial planning firm. We only get paid by you, the client for financial planning and investments and, and all those things. If you need insurance, we can work through that and, and recommend what you need, but we don't sell it. We don't get any kickbacks. And, and so just all these things that we kept moving more and more and more towards true fiduciary, true, get rid of the conflicts of interest, get rid of the things that are incentivizing us to recommend a certain products or, or certain companies to you because we really want to be able to do what's in your best interest. And there's a lot of firms like that, right? So it's where I always say, like, go to feelingnetwork.com. Um, there's other networks out there where you can find really good firms where these people, all they care about is helping clients and doing what's in the best interest of the client. And like my story is not unique as I've listened to lots of other stories. There's so many stories of people that are in firms like mine where they started out in firms like the one I started out in, right? And these big insurance-based firms learned more and more, split off, went more and more independent, just knowing that it is at the end of the day, much better for the clients. And I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who started out as a fiduciary and then went and joined a sales organization, like an insurance company or, or some of those kind of things. So that should be telling, right? It's a one-way street. People go independent, they go fiduciary, they don't usually go back the other way. Um, and so, right, I, you know, in my opinion, right, I would firmly recommend that no one ever work with an insurance-based company. Right. And again, like if you need insurance right, and you just go to American family or, or farmers or like whatever else, and you just like want to go buy insurance because you need it. Like that's totally, that's one thing. Right. And if you're an insurance agent and you work for an insurance company and that's all you're doing, that's, that's its own thing. Right. But if you're a financial advisor and you're holding yourself out as an advisor, right. Somebody who's supposed to give advice that's in the best interest of the client, then you need to get rid of those conflicts of interest. You should not have incentives or requirements or quotas to sell certain companies. And I think this matters for you as, as a client, potentially as a, you know, as an end investor, because there's a supply and demand aspect of this, 
right? And that, that if clients, if, you know, U.S. citizens are willing to work with anyone and they don't know the difference and they don't understand that, hey, this person is going to act in their best interest and I always only do what's right for you. And this person is going to sell you products to meet their quota, right? If you don't know that that's going on behind the scene, you'll keep working with these people because you don't know any better, right? And I don't think anybody who learns these things is like, oh yeah, I really want to go find someone to sell me products to meet their, their, you know, their quotas or to be able to earn a trip to Disney World. Like nobody, nobody wants this. It's just that we don't know any better. And I think the more people that say, nope, I only want to work with a fee only fiduciary. That's all I will, I, I won't even consider anyone who works for an insurance-based company. The more people that do that, because there are some good people, right? Like, I, you know, hopefully I, I had the right you know, I didn't, didn't know what I didn't know. Hopefully I had the right, I think I had the right, you know, intentions and stuff going in there, um, which is why I got out of there. The more I learned, the more I wanted to get out until I finally did. And I think there's other people like that, right? They're good people that are caught up in, in bad companies with bad cultures and, and they just need a little bit of prodding to get out, right? And so if, if you as, as clients, as investors demand the fiduciary standard, demand fee only, you will gradually pull out all the good people that work in these companies because they'll go where the demand is, right? And if if they hear enough times, hey, I'm not going to work with you, you're not a fiduciary. Hey, I'm not going to work with you, you're not fee only. And they keep not getting clients because they work for an insurance company, they'll leave the insurance company, right? And they'll start doing it the right way. So I think it really matters. There's, you know, there is a lot of these things that do go on. If you're Listen to last episode on the Bear Brothers Financial Advisors, right? Uh, someone made a spoof website of these things that happen. And, and it's, you know, it is a spoof. It is kind of a joke. But a lot of those things really do happen as well, right? There really is a sales manager and, and, and all these financial advisors that are really just salesmen that are there to sell products, right? Uh, there really is um, kickbacks and stuff that, that these companies get to sell certain lines of products or certain lines of investments and to, to recommend those over other ones because they get extra, right? Extra incentives, extra kickbacks if you put you in with this investment company instead of this one. And so a lot of that stuff, it's a spoof, it's a joke, but it's based on real life, right? And the only reason it's in there is because those things actually do happen in some of these companies. And so again, not every company is a crook. Not every advisor that works at these companies is unethical or or doing bad things, but there's enough bad things happening in these insurance-based firms that I would just stay away and I'd recommend everyone stay away and I'd recommend that everyone that all of you know stay away from those companies. So that's just a little bit of, I guess, inside scoop on what really goes on in these companies, how they're laid out, how they incentivize to fill their pockets with commissions and not to help uh, the end people. Um, and uh, right, hopefully it's just a little bit motivating for you or for someone that you know to... Uh, Right. Leave those companies and go work with someone who's really going to care about you and your ultimate success. So again, if you want resources, we've talked about this before, but best place to start would be feeonlynetwork.com. Um, you can just you know Google that or go to feeonlynetwork.com, search your area, find some people, and any, anyone on there, I would, I would recommend. Like you're not going to go with it. you're not going to go wrong there. There's other people that are not a part of that network who would also be good. Um, but that'd be the easiest place to find somebody uh, for you to, to check out. So. Hopefully this has been helpful for you or at least interesting uh, behind the scenes things and we will see you next week. Thanks. Cheers. If you enjoyed that, you would love being part of our free membership community. It's called Retire Membership and it has a host of benefits all for free. For example, you can always buy my book, 3D Retirement Income on Amazon. But if you join us at Retire Membership, we will send you either a hard copy or paperback for free, provide the ebook and the audiobook so that you can listen to it if you don't have time to read it. In addition to that, we'll also provide you with a bunch of content that you can't get 
anywhere else. For example, we have our quarterly retire mentorship magazine, which comes out quarterly and has no ads whatsoever. It's just timely content to help you stay the course. We also have workbooks for our free online workshop to help you get the most out of those, flowcharts to help you make better decisions, and a weekly email to provide timely content that you can unsubscribe from at any time. We never ask for any payment information, and we never share your information with anyone else. We just want to provide timely content and help you stay the course to retire successfully and stay successfully retired. There's no reason to wait, so join us now at retiremembership.com, where you can click in the link in the description, and it'll go right there. We can't wait to see you in the community. Cheers. This podcast is educational only and is not investment, tax, or legal advice.